shall we pray. Dear Lord, you promised to make us fishers of men. We believe that promise as we look to Jesus, our Savior, and thank you for hearing us in Jesus' name. Amen. Our subject for this hour is Seven Secrets for Catching Men for the Kingdom of God. And his method is so different from man's cruel methods. For our, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, says the Holy Word of God. We wish to share with you just how does a mother go about winning her rebellious boy to the Lord Jesus? How does a husband go about winning his wife who is infatuated with another man? How does a man go about winning his wife who has never believed in Jesus Christ? How do we follow Christ's methods? Instead of snagging people and wounding people and killing people, the kingdom of heaven presents to us ways of winning them in a winsome manner, even as Jesus did. And so we would like to bring to your attention right now seven of these secrets under three special classifications. A disturbed mother comes for counsel. She said, what promise can I use for my rebellious boy? We say, there is a promise you can use. Isaiah 49, 25. And this promise says, I will save your children. But as you claim this promise of the Lord to save your son, you will bear in mind these two special secrets of soul winning, choice and humility. And I say to the disturbed mother, you must not use snagging methods to win this boy. We human beings have used the wrong methods. We've used the methods such as this fisherman has presented. But notice with me, if you will, from Isaiah 55, verse 8, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. So, sister, you must change your thinking. You must change your methods. You must no longer use snagging methods on your son. She said, what are the snagging methods that I must cease to use? You must cease to use the method that belittles him. For humility means that you respect him. 1 Peter 2.17 says, honor all men. So if you would be done with the snagging methods, you'll respect your son. You'll never belittle him. And to obey the law of choice means that you will not keep nagging him, trying to make decisions for him, trying to educate him. Here he is in his late teens. He's not waiting to have you tell him what to do. Oh, she said, I, that's what I've been doing. I thought I must, be, I must belittle him. And I have thought that I must make choices for him 
in order to guide him in the right way. No, those are your methods, sister. They're not God's methods. And then as the, as the man comes to me and he said, my wife is infatuated with another man. Uh, how am I going to win her back? I say, don't use snagging methods. Well, what do you mean by snagging methods? Don't belittle her. It cuts her all up when you belittle. Say not one word, use not one expression that will belittle her. And don't try to make choices for her. But he said, but, but I thought I was the head of the home. The Bible says the husband is the head. Yes, I know the Bible says the husband is the head. But it does not say to be the blockhead, to block everything that your wife wants to do, to try to make all the decisions for her, to try to be conscience for her. When you do that, you're the blockhead instead of the head of the home. So you will no longer snag her by belittling her. You'll no longer snag her by trying to be the blockhead, the blockhead of the home. And then another man comes to me and he said, what about my wife who doesn't even believe in Christ? I'm trying to win her. How have you been trying to win her, brother? Well, he said, I've tried to bring her under conviction and so I've belittled her in the way she's living. Oh, brother, that's a snagging method. That's man's methods. Don't belittle her. Honor all people, 1 Peter 2.17. Esteem other better than yourself, Philippians 2.3. So you must follow the law of humility. And then the law of choice means you're, you cease trying to tell her what to do. Sometimes ladies will come to us who are praying for their mate. And I say, now, you must also obey the law of humility, which means don't belittle anyone. You must follow the law of choice, which means don't try to choose for anyone. And sometimes this good lady will say, but I have to set my husband straight once in a while, you know. And then I will say to her, you know, my friend, don't tell your husband anything to do. Even if he puts his socks in the frying pan, you be quiet. If you won't say a word in either belittling him or telling him what to do, but if you'll be perfectly quiet, the socks will convey their own message. Just wait a moment. Then the problem is between him and the socks, not between him and you. These two laws, these two secrets are called the laws or the secrets of human ease. The son, this rebellious son, feels at ease in the presence of his mother when she ceases belittling him and trying to over-instruct him. The wife, who is infatuated with another man, feels at ease again in her husband's presence when he ceases to belittle her and to direct her. The wife, who is not a Christian but whose husband is, she'll, be, she'll feel at ease in his presence when he ceases to try to bring conviction by belittling her and making choices for her. Now we turn to two more of the secrets of catching men for Jesus Christ. These are Jesus and joy. Jesus draws people. He allures people 
Hosea chapter 2, verse 14 says, I will allure. This is in connection with Hosea, who was a holy man and whose wife had run off with another man. The Christ in him told him the method to cause her to return to him. Allure, Jesus says, I will allure. Is that how you win back an infatuated mate? Is that how you win to the Lord Jesus, someone who is not interested in Christianity? Is that how you win a backslidden son back to the Lord? Yes, it is the luring method that wins. That's Jesus' method. And then, as you allure, as Jesus is in us alluring people, it is the joy of Jesus that allures. Nehemiah chapter 8 verse 10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. As we equate everything connected with Jesus Christ with joy, people see that we found an assurance, a satisfaction in our hearts in Jesus Christ. And so we let them know that everything that Jesus invites us to do brings us a joy. If the Lord Jesus told us what to do that would make us miserable instead of happy, he would be a monster. So this rebellious boy needs to know that his mother has found a joy, a satisfaction, a happiness in Jesus Christ. Then he will, he will choose Jesus Christ in all probability. The wife who has left her husband for another man, when he sees, when she sees her husband as a joyful, buoyant, delightful mate, she'll want to return. So these two laws, Jesus and joy, are the secrets of strong allurement. Jesus, I will allure, Hosea 2.14. Joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the joy of Jesus draws people to us. That's what courtship is. And soul winning is a courtship. It's not a slashing, snagging method. It's a courtship that draws, that allures the sinner. So the rebellious boy is allured to his mother. Just a little ago, we had the privilege of meeting a father and mother who had turned their boy off only a year ago. When we presented to them these seven secrets, they changed their methods completely. Their thinking was changed as the text says it should be. Their ways were changed as the text declares. We met them one year later, just a few days ago, and the mother of this rebellious boy said, Pastor Kuhn, it is almost unbelievable. She said, my son loves to be around us now. He's not fully converted yet, but he's taking the first steps. He loves to be with his father. These two secrets, my friends, Jesus and joy, have a strong drawing power. They allure the person to the Christ in us. A lady came to us some time ago. Her husband was a professional man. She said, I'm afraid that he is becoming infatuated with one of his patients. What can I do? I said, you can present to him, whenever he sees you, a honeymoon twinkle. She said, what in the world is a honeymoon twinkle? I said, a honeymoon twinkle is that which shows in your eyes when the joy of Jesus Christ shines out. I said, you see, the Bible says in Proverbs that this woman is winning her, him, 
with her eyelids. That's what it says. She catches him with her eyelids. But Jesus said the light of the body is the eye. If he sees in your eyes the pained look, which is only normal, he'll be further turned off from you. But if he sees in you this courtship, honeymoon twinkle, he will be reminded of his beautiful courtship with you as contrasted with a sordid affair that he's having. She said, but if, if you, if your wife had fallen for another man, don't you think that your eyes would reflect a pained look? I said, my dear friend, of course they would, except by the power of God. This is why Philippians 2.13 says, it is God that worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now, don't try to get this honeymoon twinkle. You can't get it that way. The way to get it is by learning the Jesus and joy method. In, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, we find the formula. The joy of the Lord is our strength. So you'll make a list of 10 things for which you should be thankful. You'll put them on a little card, 10 words. You'll make each word into a sentence like this. Thank you, Lord, for the air. Or thank you, Lord, for the toothbrush. And every time you say, thank you, Lord, for this, without you realizing it, there comes in your eyes a slight joy expression. As you continue hour by hour by th uh, in thanking the Lord, a honeymoon twinkle develops. How would you like to try it just for one day, I said, between now and tomorrow morning when we speak at 11 o'clock? And I will meet you just outside of the church at 11 o'clock. And when I met that lady, you ought to have seen the expression in her eyes. She had such a honeymoon twinkle. No wonder a few weeks later we received a letter. Dear Pastor and Mrs. Kuhn, everything is all right in my home. My husband and I are sweethearts again. We now turn to the last three of the seven secrets. Remembering, first of all, that the first two secrets were, were choice and humility. These are the secrets of human ease. The second secrets are Jesus and joy. These two secrets are the secrets of strong allurement. Now we turn to the last three secrets. These are faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and the last verse. These are tremendous pressure secrets when put into effect. For instance, for a human being, for a human being to be really pressured into serving the Lord in a way that he likes it is an art. This is the way to catch people for Jesus Christ. No longer do we try to snag them and wound them by belittling them, by making choices for them. But with the joy of the Lord in our heart, we employ these three special secrets, which we call secrets of divine pressure. Let me illustrate. Here is faith. The Bible says that faith is the victory law. First John chapter 5, verse 4. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Now, 
the mother that comes to us in behalf of a rebellious boy. She should speak faith in this boy's sincerity instead of doubt. Instead of saying, I doubt your sincerity, I don't think you want to do right. She should say, son, I believe in you. I trust you. And he longs to live up to this confidence. Danny came to his grandmother one day and he said, Grandmommy, I just have to do right. She said, why do you have to do right? He said, because so many people have faith in me, Grandmommy. Every time that we express confidence and trust and faith in a human being, this human being longs to live up to the faith and the confidence and the trust. So faith is a divine pressure secret. And people like it. Then there is love. Love is a tremendous pressure secret. We're told in 1 John 4:19, we love him because he first loved us. So to catch men for Jesus, to win souls to a better way of living, we are to let the love of Christ be shed abroad in our hearts in such a way that they feel pressured by our love. They love our love. They long to respond to our love. It says in the Word of God, with loving kindness, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And again, I draw them with the cords of love. Now, many of us have never fully understood how love actually draws. The way for love to draw a person, the way for a person to be high-pressured in responding to our love is love takes an interest in the person. It is interested in his happiness. It is not interested primarily in our happiness. It doesn't whimper and whine and say to him, why don't you spend more time with me? The mother doesn't say to her rebellious boy, you're breaking my heart. This does not draw him. This does not pressure him to want to do right. Why are you breaking my heart? Rather, she is to take a sincere interest, a loving interest, in every legitimate thing in which he is interested. This requires special wisdom from the Lord. But she can reach out and take the promise of the Lord. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, it shall be given him. The husband whose wife is becoming infatuated with another man, let him take an interest in her instead of asking her to revolve around him, and you'll find a tremendous change can take place in their relationship. So there's a pressure, the pressure of love. When a human soul knows that we are interested in that person's happiness, that person is, is delightfully pressured to live up to our love and our confidence in him or her. This man whose wife is not interested in Christianity, instead of his trying to compel her to be interested in Christianity, he is to show the love of Christ for her. Then she sees what Christ is really like because Christ is operating in his life in an ever endeavor to make her happy, you see. Now we come to the, the law of hope. The Bible says we're saved. We're saved by hope. Romans 8, 24. So while love is a spiritual courtship law, 
1 John 4:19, hope is the salvation law. This mother wants to see her boy saved. So she will bring to him hope, not despair. She'll talk hope, not despair. This man whose wife is infatuated will talk hope, not despair. This man whose wife is not interested in Christianity will talk hope, not despair. Now hope is the combination of love and faith. For Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says we're saved by grace through faith, grace representing love. And Romans 8, 24 says we're saved by hope. So hope is a combination of expressed faith and love being shed abroad in the heart of the individual. This unselfish, this caring love for the other individual. Let me give you an illustration. When I was a little boy, nine years of age, I wanted to be baptized. I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to request baptism. Now, should my mother express faith in me? Should she show me the love of God? Or should she express doubt? If she expresses love and faith, it'll build my hope. My mother walked over to me. She fastened her gaze on me in a way I cannot describe it. There was faith and love beaming out of her eyes. She said, son, you're almost a man. I thought, are you kidding? I looked more like six and a half years old than I looked like nine. She said, son, you're going to be baptized. I'm so happy. She said, you're going to be a tremendous worker for the Lord, but don't think that you won't have conflicts. Don't think that you won't fail. You will stumble, but when you stumble, Jesus will help you up. Get up, son, and go on. And she said, the devil will do it all in his power to destroy you. You will tumble, son. You will tumble. You'll, you'll fall flat on your face again and again. But son, Jesus will help you up. You'll make the grade. You'll be a Joseph or you'll be a Samuel. And I thought, mother, do you mean it? I didn't say it, but I looked it. And I want to tell you, my friends, my mother meant it. She had poor judgment, but she had a lot of faith. And her loving faith built in me hope. I said to myself, now when I'm baptized, I'm going to be the most sincere, the most perfect Christian that ever walked the face of the earth. That's what mother's loving confidence did to me. Do you know what happened? Two hours after I was baptized, I had a, I had a fight with my brother Lester. <laughs> had I fallen flat on my face, I was so discouraged to think that I had been involved in a fight two hours after baptism. And another thing that was, was really haunting me was it was God's holy Sabbath day beside. And another thing that bothered me was he licked me beside. So there I was flat on my face, so to speak. The thing that finally encouraged me to get up and try to walk with Jesus again and it took me three days, was the fact that my mother had expressed a loving faith in me which built up my hope and were saved by hope. Again and again through my life's experience, 
I've fallen flat on my face. And I can hear and have heard through the years mother's loving voice from the past saying, son, you will often fall on your face, flat on your face. Jesus will not, he will not forsake you. He will take you by the hand, he will help you up, and you can go on from victory to victory. We have a daughter, her name is Juanita. When she was just a little tyke one day, we saw her creeping along on the floor. Do you suppose we scolded her? No, she was making progress. One day, mother said, Daddy, Daddy, come quickly. And I came in the room, and there our daughter was, with her hand resting on a chair. It was the first time we ever saw her standing. We looked down and beamed into her face, and we said, Juanita, this is wonderful. Just as we said it, you know what happened? She went kaplunk. Another day, maybe it was I who said, Mother, come, come quickly. It's wonderful what I'm seeing. There was our daughter. She was not touching a thing. Her legs were wobbly. She was standing. The first time we ever saw her standing unsupported by anything. Again, we beamed into her face. We're so thrilled. You know what happened? Kaplunk. We didn't say, now listen, Juanita, we're ashamed of you. You're going to make the grade, honey. You know what happened? She can walk all right now. To the mother who is troubled over her rebellious son, if you will present to that son faith and hope and love, that will employ divine pressure. If you will present the loving joy of Jesus Christ, it will apply on a strong allurement. If you will no longer belittle that child, and if you will not try to over-instruct that child, something wonderful is going to happen. And the same thing is true of the husband whose wife is becoming infatuated or who is turned off on Jesus Christ. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.